Ghost stories are always scarier when they're told by the very people who experienced them. I'm Becky. And I'm Diana. And we're the hosts of the Homespun Haints podcast. We talk to people just like you who've come face to face with ghosts, demons, haints, and other strange paranormal phenomena. All of it makes for a chilling good time. So grab yourself a sweet tea, turn off the lights, and listen to some eerie, true ghost stories on Homespun Haints. I'm not scared. Are you? Once upon a time, there was a podcast. Some might say it was the coolest podcast of all time. They called it the Writer's Block. Once upon a time, there was a podcast. Some might say it was the coolest podcast of all time. Timothy Buble <laughs> walked through the front doors of Hotel Laissez Faire. He walked along the red carpet and he walked over up to the reception desk where there was a young man no more than 20 working at the reception desk hello do you have a reservation timothy looked down at the man timothy was dressed very particular very nice he had on a cape a yellow goldenish cape that flowed over his shoulders and down to the floor and he had on a tunic of purple with three large buttons that were black but they weren't just any black they were actually sent to him from a friend of his who had connections with scientists in ohio who had recently created a material that was so it was the blackest material ever so he's wearing these buttons from his unnamed friend and his cape and his tunic and he has a mustache which curls at either end and he when he smiles he has perfectly clean pearly white teeth He's a magician, you see. The young man behind the reception desk says, Okay, your your uh, room is 1202. It's uh, on the fifth floor at the end of the building. But no matter what you do, don't go through the stairwell. The stairwell is closed. So Timothy goes in the direction of the elevator, twirling his mustache as he's apt to do sometimes. And he passes a, a little girl without her parents in the hallway. The little girl says, I opened the door to the stairwell and I heard something. And then she kept walking. He said, that's fucking creepy. (laughs) And he's walking towards the elevator and he says, well, just out of curiosity, I'm going to open the door too. And he walks over and he grabs the the handle and he opens it and he pushes his ear in, but he doesn't want to get too close because he's afraid. And he listens and he hears something, but he doesn't really know what it is. It's just kind of a, a noise. He can't really place it and he shuts the door. And the noise stops. He says, interesting. Door to the stairway? Yes. Okay. And he gets in, hits the button and gets into the elevator. And like an asshole, he just hits all the buttons. And the lady that was the old lady in the elevator looked at him in a grim, awful face like, why? Why would you do that? And so they rode the elevator all the way up, stopping at every floor, even though they didn't need to. And he got off on his floor and walked out of the elevator. And he was headed towards his room when he heard something. But he couldn't tell what it was, and he thought for just a second that it might be coming from the stairs. Hello? He couldn't hear the sound anymore, so he shrugged it off. He put his key in his lock and opened his door to his suite. It was a 
It was a rather big suite, but that was his taste. There was a bedroom off to the right with a queen-size bed, and there was a little mini bar and kitchen off to his left when you first walk in. And there was an area in the middle that was basically uh, furnished with a big fluffy red couch and a big screen TV, which he grimaced at because he was not much into electronics. He, he was a tinkerer, and he was an avid reader, and he believed very strongly in the power of the imagination. On the other side of this entrance area was the balcony, and since it was the middle of the winter and there was a blizzard going, he knew that he probably wouldn't be going out on the balcony, except maybe for a cigarette break, because he was secretly a smoker. Not a chain smoker, but every once in a while, after a show, after a good show, he would take out a cigarette and have a couple puffs. He went and sat down on the couch, grimaced at the TV again, and then pulled out a tiny black notebook of his right pocket. Out of his left pocket, he pulled out his favorite pen, a golden pen. It was signed by the great Oswald Oswald. It was signed by the great Oswald, his idol, one of the greatest magicians ever to live, ever. And he had been given the pen one night at a show when he was first starting his act, and he had gone to see Oswald, and come to find out it would be one of Oswald's last shows because Oswald was a heavy drinker and passed away from a heart attack shortly thereafter. And for this reason, and perhaps this reason alone, Timothy Buble never drank unlike pretty much all of our characters ever on this series. (laughs) He just smoked. Timothy began to jot in his little notebook with his signed pen. He jotted down his idea for a magic trick. A magic trick unlike anything he'd ever seen or even heard of before. He'd seen people disappear, and he'd seen even buildings and boats and cars disappear. But he'd never seen a whole group of people disappear. Ah, what a wonderful trick that would be. The great Oswald would be proud, he thought, as he twirled his mustache and wrote his plan in his notebook. And he even had a devious little chuckle. <laughs> what is he, Nietzsche? <laughs> yeah, douche. So he he's thinking deeply about this and how it's going to work. In order to make all these dis- people simultaneously disappear, he would have to utilize magic unspoken of. And he didn't like that idea, but... For all intents and purposes, he thought he could do it and get away with it. A knock occurred at the door. Room service? Um, I didn't order any room service, Tim said as he got up and walked cautiously toward the door. He was apprehensive to open the door because Tim had an enemy. There was another magician out there who wanted to take all of his shows, who'd actually tried very hard to corrupt and destroy Timothy's career. In a few instances, they'd actually been malicious with each other on stage, and everybody in the audience had thought that it was a show. They'd thought that it was all for their entertainment, but secretly, they'd been trying to actually hurt each other. His name was Jasper Marciano, and Timothy had to admit that Jasper Marciano was a competent magician, and perhaps that and that reason alone is why he was so afraid of him but also because of the violent, malicious stage acts. So he looked through the tiny peephole in the door, but there was nothing there. Ha! Clever. Unoriginal, though. And he backed up, sniffed for some reason, and then realized that the room had a musty smell to it, like an old, almost rotten smell. A fishy... No. (laughs) It was a rotten smell, but it was very, very faint. 
probably like it almost like it was coming from another room maybe the room next door he shrugged it off <laughs> as he was wont to do and he turned around and he, and he started heading back towards the couch and then there was a knock again at the door damn it he said he turned around flicked his mustache threw his cape over his shoulder and then just opened the door didn't even bother checking the people marciano i swear if it's you but there was no one there he looked around looked up and down the hallway to his left there was a a mother with two toddlers the toddlers were wrestling over a little model airplane probably one of those damn jimmy eagle planes those toys were really lifting off he thought and then smiled at his clever pun he was a man of puns and the mother was struggling to get in the door and clearly hadn't had a night's sleep in a while and he wondered if this wasn't her vacation and felt bad for her and wondered where the husband was and he looked right where the elevator was where he had come and he saw that same old lady still standing in the elevator and realized that she had never gotten off even though they had visited almost every single floor he went back in his room Timothy laid down on the couch. He didn't want to get on the bed. He thought the bed was dirty. He wanted to rest up because there was a show that night. At the Lasse's Fair. At the Lasse's Fair. But his biggest fear was that Marciano would be there because he'd heard that he was in town. They'd often overlap shows, sometimes even the same venues, and Timothy did not like that. Marciano got a good chuckle out of it. He thought it was quite hilarious because he stomped on Timothy's show occasionally. There, he was worse than Harry the Heckler, but that's another story. Their feud had been going on for some years now. Ah, not only am I going to make a crowd disappear, Timothy thought, I'm going to make Marciano disappear. I'm going to make him disappear for good. Later that night, after a quick nap for Buble, always took a nap before his shows, his big gig. So he got up from his bed. He was still wearing his cape and... He put his tunic on, and he went and checked his bag, looked for all of his props. A, a rabbit jumped out at one point, and he put it back in. Where are you going, little mini buble? And his ear, the rabbit's ears were still popping out, and he pushed those in. And then he zipped the bag up, and he stood up straight and unwrinkled his tunic, flicked a mustache, and walked out of the hotel room. He looked left, and it looked like the mother had gotten into the room, but he could still hear the kids whining, fighting jumping on walls whatever kids do he thought he hated kids he went back to the elevator and pressed the button to go down and waited then the elevator door opened and there was the old lady again he gave her a look and the lady didn't even look at him she was looking at the floor the whole time she looked very sad he got in the elevator and he pressed the first floor and the doors closed and then the elevator started to go down and then all of a sudden there was a loud screeching sound and the elevator stopped completely nearly tripping timothy up Though the lady didn't seem to move at all. And then the, the lights went out. In the darkness of the elevator, Timothy became concerned about the old lady. She hadn't moved, hadn't jostled, and she'd been riding the elevator for a long time. <laughs> at points, he didn't even know if she was human. He instantly dropped his bag and reached for the zipper, zipping it and hearing the rustling around from the rabbit inside. And he grabbed his wand, because this would be his only defense if something were to happen. He said the name of some something, some spell of some sort, and flicked a light, but it didn't stay illuminated long. That had never happened before. He'd been able to light a room with the tip of his wand many, many times, without fail, until now. And in the darkness, he could hear something, some kind of scurrying, as it went from one side of the elevator to the other, and then up onto the wall. And he said, what the fuck is that? As the 
It sounded like fingernails tapping on metal as it went up and down the, the walls of the elevator and onto the roof. Timothy tried again to light the, the elevator shaft, but he couldn't. He couldn't get the, the light to come on. He said, listen here, we don't have to have any problems in here, little old lady. And then the lights came on and the old lady was gone. And the elevator doors were wide open and he was in the lobby. He looked at his wand. He looked at his bag. The rabbit was peeking out. Little Buble, get back in there, he said. He was adorable, though. And he could see the young man was still at the reception desk and hadn't really noticed him. He looked like he was writing something down on a piece of paper. There was nobody else in the lobby. And he shrugged his shoulders, zipped up his bag, put his wand away, zipped up his bag, and picked it up. Looked around the elevator again. Am I hallucinating old ladies? <laughs> and he walked out of the elevator. He made his way to the backstage area where he was to prepare before his opening act. All right, I think I can do this. There's a lot of strange shit going on here, but I think I can do this. I gotta focus. He was a very focused man. He flicked his mustache. He could hear the audience cheering on the other side. He never got nervous. He walked out onto the stage with a spotlight following him, and he put his he stopped in the middle of the stage and he put his bag down. He looked up out of his corner of his eye. He noticed something, and he looked over, and the old lady was standing off to the side of the stage. What the fuck? He shrugged it off. He looked back at the audience, but there was nobody there. But he could clearly hear that there were people wrestling around in the audience, but there was nobody there. Son of a bitch. <laughs> You douche. <laughs> Timothy Buble stood at the edge of the stage, looking out at the empty seats. Turn the house lights down, he said to the man controlling the lights on the side of the stage. And the man dimmed the lights, and just as he had suspected, there was nobody there. All the seats were empty, but he could hear chatter, and he could hear noises that sounded like people were there. I know what this is, he said. Damn Marciano. And he immediately says, I'd like to take a volunteer from the audience. And he points down to the little old lady on the side of the stage. And he says, ma'am, would you come up here for a second? I've got a trick. She comes up and she's walking extremely slowly. And he notices that this is drawing out suspense. And if there were an audience, they would be loving it. And he says, ma'am, how would you like for me to make you disappear? And the woman gives him a, a strange look. She doesn't say anything. She just kind of looks at him and judges him. And he flicks his mustache. <laughs> With his middle finger, <laughs> With flipping flip, off the audience. Flipping, I meant the old lady, but flipping him off. Flipping him off. So he takes his wand, and he makes the woman disappear. And when she disappears, he notices that one person appears in the audience. And he says, huh, interesting. I've never, I've never seen that happen before. And this struck his curiosity, as it's apt to do. And he said, audience, would you like to see me do it again? And they cheered. All their invisible people cheered. Except for that one guy. He just kind of sat there awkwardly. Dale Duhow. Dale Duhow. <laughs> he was waiting for the spoon act. <laughs> and without permission, Timothy snapped his wand at the man running the lights and made him disappear too. And another person in the audience appeared. Interesting, he said. And the audience, which had barely seen the man at control of the lights, clapped. And they cheered and he said... Damn you, Marciano. I know you're behind this, but what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? Ah, I'd like another volunteer for the audience. Is Marciano here? There was silence, and after a couple seconds, a light flicked on. It was the spotlight. Wherever he was, the, the light man was still there and, and just didn't realize that he was invisible. And the spotlight was illuminating a very tall man with a mustache that curled in the opposite direction of Timothy Buble's. His curled down, and he was wearing a silver cape. 
a long flowing silver cape, and an orange tunic with three black buttons. Where the fuck did he get those buttons? Buble thought to himself, but he shook it off, shrugged it off as he was wont to do, and he picked up his wand and he pointed it at Marciano, and Marciano gave a smirk, and suddenly he was very worried and nervous, unlike, and this was unlike him. He was never nervous. Marciano, will you please come to the stage? Marciano kept smirking and walked forward ever so casually. He looked around at the invisible audience as if he were smiling at them, and he walked like he was the, the MC, the master of ceremonies, and Buble wished that he hadn't ever summoned the man but he was good at working on his feet. So at the same time, he was excited to turn this around in his favor. It hadn't failed him yet, but he was worried that it would get malicious. And it was something he never wanted to happen at the laissez-faire stage. Marciano stepped up onto the stage, floated up onto the stage. He couldn't tell if he was actually floating, but he certainly made it seem like he did in a David Blaine style. And he walked up to Timothy Buble, smiled, that stupid smile. And then turned towards the audience with his hands crossed, like he was waiting for Timothy to perform his magical trick. Although, Timothy knew that Marciano was just waiting for him to fail. Flustered a bit, Timothy turned back to the audience and said, And now, I am going to make this man disappear and reappear inside out. He was playing the malicious games now. There was a gasp in the audience. How could this be done? Everybody knew that magic was fake, or they thought it was. But they were curious. Is, was this going to be like one of those Body Worlds exhibits? How was this going to happen? Were these two magi magicians in on this trick together? Clearly they had to be. And Buble lifted his wand, but Marciano was still smirking. And he got a whiff of that rotten smell again. And then he felt a cold gust of air pass by his right cheek. And Marciano was standing on his left. And then a little Buble, the rabbit, jumped out of the suitcase and began to hop across the stage. This was a bit of a distraction, but Timothy didn't want to get caught up in it. He thought about flicking his wand and making the rabbit disappear too, but... He heard the audience go, ah. Yes, he heard the audience and didn't want to do that yet. The inside-out trick, he thought. This is, this is the dark <laughs> magic that I shouldn't be dabbling with, but I'm going to do it anyway because fuck Jasper Marciano. And he flipped his wand... In, in Marciano's direction, nothing happened. The same kind of nothing that happened in the elevator. Son of a bitch, he said. And he tried again. Nothing. And that same devious smile crossed Jasper Marciano's face. And he was twiddling his thumbs, as if unaffected by the whole situation. Well, are you gonna do it? Are you gonna make me inside out? Jasper began to <laughs> taunt him. I'd like to see that magic trick. For Jasper knew something that Timothy did not. And again, Timothy tried, flicking, and a spark came from the tip of the wand, but nothing happened. And the audience got eerily quiet, all two of them that he could see, and all hundred of them he could not. And all of a sudden, Timothy began to feel humiliated. His face began to turn red, and he thought, oh no, I've really done it. I've really screwed this up. This could be my last magic show. I've really screwed the pooch. He'd certainly lost all his magic. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't help that terrible pun Damn he couldn't even do puns he was so flustered And he tried again Flicking the wand and And it turned into A um a piece of licorice In his hand and it sort of Flopped down and We've, been, we've all been there <laughs> And 
humiliated even more, Timothy threw the licorice down and said, he's, he's, he's messing with me. Marciano is clearly messing with me. Let me show you a trick. And Marciano pulled out his wand, which was much bigger, <laughs> and pointed it directly at Timothy Buble. Timothy Blue Bay. Blue Bay. Blue Chair Bay. Timothy Blue Bay was flustered, as we said. And then Marciano slowly moved his wand down to the ground next to Buble. And Buble looked down, and there was little Buble looking up at him adorably. And he looked back at the wand, and he realized that Marciano was pointing the wand directly at little Buble. What are you doing? I'm... I've got a wonderful magic trick for you, young boy. And then he flicked his wand once, and the rabbit turned into a little sphere, and the audience gasped. Dale Duhow clapped obnoxiously. Woohoo! He was clearly drunk. But where are the spoons? The ball started to roll away a little bit. Clearly the stage wasn't completely level. And just as a knee-jerk reaction, Buble reached down and picked up the ball. It wasn't little Buble, but it could be again someday. And he hugged it close to him. What is the meaning of this? I have a challenge for you. Buble, never one to back down from a challenge, said, What is your challenge? And flicked his mustache. Though, missed it, because he was nervous. And he'd never missed his mustache before. What you hold in your hand is a time sphere. And it is a puzzle. And you must figure out how to get your little rabbit friend back. But I cannot tell you the answer. And that is my trick. And Buble was confused and flustered. He had been completely embarrassed. There was no way to turn this around. Even though his audience was invisible, he felt like he had let them down. And he began to try to convince himself in his mind that they had never actually existed. That maybe this was even just a, a bad dream. That he could come back from this. That he was about to wake up from his, his nap. His scheduled nap. And go out and knock the socks off of that audience. But they were still there. And, and he kept pinching himself, but he would not wake up. And he held the time sphere tightly. And he looked down at it. And then he looked back up and... Marciano had disappeared. The old lady had reappeared, and the audience had reappeared, and Dale Duhow disappeared. He finished his act, his show, and flicked his mustache a couple more times, regained his confidence, but all the while he had that time sphere in his bag. He picked up the bag at the end of the show as people started to make their way out, and the lights came on. He walked backstage, and it was just a bad show. I had bad shows early on, my, on in my career, he thought to himself. This, it's that's just it. I'm going to have to have a cigarette for sure. He walked out into the, the lobby and the young man was no longer there. There was no longer anyone at the, the reception desk because it was late. There was a sign that said reception will commence in the morning. He went into the elevator. There was no old lady there. And he pressed his floor number and he sat there patiently, trying not to think about the act and or what where Marciano had gone. He didn't really care about the disappearing act. He was capable of that too. Magicians had their tricks that they would never reveal. While he was standing there waiting for his elevator to go up, he reached down and he opened the, the bag and he picked out the time sphere and he started to look at it. What is this? What is the puzzle? He turned it around in his hand. He turned it a couple more times and he flipped it up. The elevator kept going. Bing! Bing. And then he looked up and he noticed that the elevator was actually going down. He tried to press the buttons. And obviously that doesn't work. But he tried to press the button that cancels. There was a cancel button and it didn't work. Nothing was working. Nothing was lighting up. And the elevator just kept going down and, and it seemed to be going down faster and faster. He could feel some momentum and he started to get a little queasy. He fell back against the back wall of the elevator and he dropped the time sphere and it rolled and slammed into the wall. But didn't crack. Didn't even really make a sound. 
That was odd. It had to be made of like crystal or something. Something. It seemed fragile. And then the lights went out. And that there was that loud metal grinding sound again. And then the lights went on. And the doors opened. And there was a hallway. But it was half of a hallway. In the middle of the hallway was a black wall. And this baffled him. This has to be a dream, he thought. And this fear started to roll left and then around as if it were being controlled by some other force. And then it rolled out into the hallway and into the black wall and then disappeared. He stood up on his feet and he walked out into the hallway, leaving his bag behind. And he walked up to the wall. And he tried to put his hand through first. Skeptical as he was, he didn't know what would happen. But his hand was met with what felt like sticky glass. And he couldn't push through. And he called in there, Little Buble, come back. And he called to his <laughs> spherical bunny. And he heard an echo. But it wasn't an ordinary echo. It was, in fact, the same thing he said in the same tone, but backwards. Oh, no, he said as he stared into the abyss. And he began to see something that looked like a reflection but it wasn't him per se it was jasper marciano in the reflection and jasper was smirking in that devilish way flicking his mustache buble buble backed up and started to run towards the elevator but the elevator closed and the buttons wouldn't work and he pressed frantically and he pounded on the elevator his bag the one thing that he always kept by him was now gone he turned around and the wall was just dark again no more marciano and then he noticed a, a window off to the side it was like a basement window and it looked like the only way out so he opened the window and he squeezed his way through and sure enough he was outside in the daylight and everything smelled normal and the air was just right he brushed off his tunic and he stood up fixing his cape flicking his mustache and he looked around and, and the grass was fresh cut but there was something off about this place and he walked up to the nearest lady and he asked excuse me miss what year is this the lady turned to him she had been pushing a baby stroller and the baby was holding a little tiny bobby wings plane bobby wings that's old nobody's been into bobby wings ever since his weird story are you okay what year is this she backed up why it's 1943 this has been the writer's block cool kids remember to subscribe and tune in next week for the next episode of the writer's block the coolest podcast of all time time time